would go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. We'll read a couple verses here. Give you a couple minutes to get there. I know everybody was probably disappointed when you saw Pastor walked in and then told you I was preaching, but it's okay. I don't know if I want to touch this pope, but I might get a sickness. <laughs> no. All right. Colossians chapter 2. I just, I was gone this past weekend. I was visiting some family in Texas. It was pretty cold there, and I almost came down with a cold myself, but I think, I think we're going strong right now. But I was gone this past weekend. Um, most of you may not have even noticed that. I'm usually the quietest person in a room. I preached in uh, high school chapel a couple weeks ago, and I told them, I said, I don't think I've ever stepped into a room where I was not the quietest person in the room. So uh, getting up here in front of people and speaking, this is a uh, this is rather nerve-wracking for me, but I promise if you listen, then uh, I'll try to give you something good to listen to. But All right, are you there, Colossians chapter 2? Well, let's start reading in verse number 6. It says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now, when you read these verses, although it never says the word, you cannot help but get the idea of growth. When he talks about being rooted, established, as you have been taught, and abounding therein. It may not never use the word, but in every single New Testament book, we find the idea or the mentioning of growth. God wants us to grow as a Christian. He has put it all throughout his word, and I, I had a pastor say once, he said, God did not create us so that we could be happy. And I remember when I first heard that, I thought, well, what do you mean? Of course God wants us to be happy, but that is not the reason that God created us. And he finished the statement by saying, God did not create me to make me happy, but to grow, and in so doing, we glorify him. You see, we were created to glorify the Lord. And if we're not doing that with our life, then we're not fulfilling the reason why we're still here on this earth. And I assume we're all Christians. This is the Wednesday night crowd, cream of the crop, but uh, even the cream can sour. And eventually, we need to get to the point where we have the mindset of growth. You see, when we make decisions in our daily life, the natural thing to do is to make a decision that will satisfy me, a decision that will make me happy, a decision that says, you know what? I want that. This is what I like. But the Bible says that we're not to make decisions based off of what makes me happy. Why? Because that's not why God created us. God created us to grow. And the mindset of growth is reflected in the decisions that we make in our everyday life. And as a Christian, if we are not growing, we are dying. So as a Christian, we need a mindset of growth. And I'm going to take that thought and run with it as we get into the message. But first, let's start off with a word of prayer. Dear Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to gather together. Lord, I do pray that you would help us, Lord, to completely understand the concept of how much you want us to grow and all that you've done for us to grow. Lord, I do pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Lord, bless these people, Lord. Help them, Lord, to have attentive ears and help me to have the words to say. For it's him we pray. Amen. All right, now I'll go ahead and turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 5. This is where we're going to spend... The bulk of the message today is in Isaiah chapter 5, but I wanted to preface the message in Colossians. Isaiah chapter 5. Give you a minute to get there. You know, I went, when I went home this past weekend, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, I was able to go to my home church, and I saw my pastor, and I was reminded of something my pastor used to say all the time. He used to always call us drag race Christians. And I remember as a child thinking, what is a drag race Christian? 
And in my mind, I remember thinking, okay, well, a drag racer, obviously, I mean, every city has those streets where people go drag racing. I think my wife and mother-in-law visit it often here in Jacksonville. But as a drag racer, you know, it's full speed ahead, pedal to the metal, all that kind of stuff, or metal to the pedal, sorry. And uh, so I remember thinking, okay, it's probably a Christian that's just full speed ahead for God. And eventually my pastor said, no, 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 a drag, a drag race Christian is the people who drag in to church and then race out. So uh, hopefully we don't have any drag race Christians. All right, is everybody in Isaiah chapter 5, if you are, give me an amen. amen. All right, we're there. If you're not there yet, just look at the page and act smart. Isaiah chapter 5, we'll read starting in verse number 1. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof, and planted it with the choicest vine, and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a winepress therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. You see, we read here of the Lord's vineyard and all that God did to make sure that this vineyard was in the perfect position to grow. Now, this is not an actual, literal vineyard, but when you read in the Old Testament, it's very easy to take the things that were spoken to the children of Israel and apply it to our life and to the lives of the church today. And if you were to glance through these verses, you could probably very easily pick out my outline, because it's a very, very simple message tonight, but one that I believe is very needed in our lives today. You see, God's vineyard is very precious to him, and he went through great lengths to show it in the short passage of Scripture. You know, the Bible says, uh, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And how much more do you think our lives are precious to God? Our life should be lived in service of, to God, and we do that by growing. So first of all, I want to look at is in uh, verse, number, verse number one, we see the God's placement of his vineyard, God's placement. It says, now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. Now, I'm sure many of you probably at some point you've had a flower bed or a garden or some type, but when God planted this vineyard, he put it in a place where he knew it would grow. Now, where I grew up in Texas, we have a lot of black land. It's very hard to grow stuff on. And if you find a patch of ground that is fertile, that's where farmers are going to get. That's the land that they're going to buy. Why? Because they want to plant something where there's fertile ground. And I say, God Whenever he asks us to grow, he's going to put us in a place where we can grow. He's going to put us in fertile ground. Why? Because God's placement is perfect. And, you know, when you plant a garden, you work to make sure that the land is ready for it. You make sure that everything is perfect. You mulch it, fertilize it, whatever the case may be, so that the placement is perfect. And as a Christian, God has done the same thing for us. He's placed us exactly where we need to be to grow and become mature in the Lord. But we have to accept God's placement. If you look in Psalms chapter 80, verse 8, it says, Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. You see, God was saying, hey, I took you out of the world, and I put you in a place where you could grow as a Christian. And for all of us who are saved here tonight, God has done that with us. He has removed us from the world, and he has made us a peculiar people. Why? So we can grow. He takes us out of that, but we have to get away from what makes us happy from the world, the flesh, the devil, the lust of uh, the things that the world would try to draw us away from. As a Christian, we have to first get the placement right. You see, if we can't get founded in where God wants us to be, we cannot grow as a Christian. God saved us and brought us out of the world and redeemed us from the wickedness. You see, we are to hate 
the way of Satan and sin. The the problem is we get our eyes on things where they shouldn't be. Psalm chapter 101 verse 3 says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. David said, hey, I'm going to thrive where God placed me. Psalm 119.104, through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. He realized that there were things that were going to pull him aside. He decided he was going to grow where God had placed him. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 7, For my mouth shall speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. He sounded like he wanted to grow where God had placed him. He wanted to get out of the things of the world. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10 says, That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing the knowledge of God. You see, there is no being fruitful. You cannot come to the point. When you see a tree, fruit trees do not bear fruit many times within the first few years. Why? Because they need to mature. They need to grow. And as a Christian, we will never get to the point in our lives where we can be fruitful unless we're in the right spot where we can grow. And believe me, Christian, when God places you somewhere, his placement is perfect. You see, churches nowadays are full of people who say, oh, you know what? If I was underneath uh, this Sunday school teacher, I would grow. Or if I was at such and such church across town, I would grow. Or if, you know, if we were going soul winning in this area, then I would be able to see souls saved. Or, you know, if I could be at, you know, this college or this church, then I would grow. No, no. God's placement is perfect. You need to grow where you are at. And if we can't learn to grow where we are at, then friend, we will not grow anywhere. Because guess what? We're going to get to that other place someday when we're outside of God's placement and find we cannot grow in the Lord without the blessing of the Lord. God's placement is perfect. You see, God has searched through all of history. He's placed us right here, right now, because he knows that where you are is where you can reach your full potential. We, we get our eyes off on other things when we should be focusing on growing where we are at. Hey, serve where you are at. Do what you can where you are at. And you say, oh, but you don't understand, you know, the circumstances or the things that are happening in my life. God says, grow where you're at. My placement is perfect. So first of all, we see God's placement. Second of all, we see God's protection. At the beginning of verse two, it says, and he fenced it. He fenced it. Now, a vine, as it's referring to here, a vine is, uh, can be a very fragile thing sometimes. Now, the wind, if it blows it over, that vine's not going to grow like it can. If it gets too much sunlight, it will not grow as it can. The fence is built to help protect it, to give it enough sunlight but not too much, to help the wind from blowing it over. And when I say that God protects us in a way that allows us to grow, and if you keep reading, it says that he built a tower in the midst of it. He built a tower in the midst of it. You see, God fenced it, and he built a tower in the midst of it. And you say, well, why do we need to protect a vineyard? Why do we need to protect a garden? Back in these days, when you had a vineyard, it was usually something precious, whether it was for a beauty's sake, for some people it was their livelihood, but it was something to be protected. And you say, well, why do you want to protected garden. Well, if you've ever grown up in Texas, you know there's a lot of animals that want to eat your food. But beyond that, in these days, in the Bible times, there were people that would come and they would try to steal or they would try to kill the workers. They would destroy it, whatever the case may be. It was something to be protected, something to be guarded. And Ahab and Jezebel, if you remember, killed a man by the name of Naboth. Why? Because they wanted his vineyard. And when I say that there are people that would love nothing more than to tear our church apart and keep it from growing 
going. There are people that would love nothing more than to tear your life apart and keep you from growing as a Christian. And if you're not protected in the right way, you will never be able to grow as a Christian. But God says we don't have to do ourselves. That's why he built the fence. You see, in Job chapter 1, verse number 6, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Sounds like Job was content with where God had placed him. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. God put a literal hedge about Job. And I believe that God does the same for the Christian that is growing. He will provide any means necessary for you to be able to grow in the way that you should. So we see not only did he fence it, but he put a tower in the middle of it. And I thought that was very interesting. And in studying this out, you'll find that people back in these days would build a tower in the middle of a vineyard to help protect it. And you say, well, how does that protect it? Because they would put a guard at the top of that tower. And that tower, they could see the, the entire vineyard. They could see beyond the walls. They could see the dangers that were coming. And when I say that God places core people in the center of our life that are there to warn us of some of the dangers that are coming and to help fend off some of those attacks. But the problem is, is we don't accept the protection of the Lord. You see, when our pastor stands behind a pulpit and he preaches and he warns us of attacks, it's not because he's being mean to us. It is because he's letting us know, hey, somebody's going to come and they're going to hinder your growth. Hey, something's going to come along and it's going to try to stop you and destroy your garden. And as Christians, we need to accept that. And we need to learn from these people. It could be our pastor, our teachers, our parents, authority, whatever a case may be. You know, uh, referring back to Naboth, Naboth had to stand and protect his vineyard. He, he had to stand and protect it. And in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 3, he said, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. Naboth refused to give up his vineyard. Why? Because he had a desire to grow, a fundamental desire to get closer to the Lord. And if we have that same desire, that mindset of growth that says, you know what? I'm going to grow where God placed me, and I'm going to grow underneath God's protection, we'll be able to hear the warnings of, uh, of our pastor and the people are trying to help us. You see, no matter where we're at, people will try to destroy us. And then also, in verse number two, it says, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof. Now, if you've ever tried to till stony ground or plow through stony ground, you have to take out all those rocks. Why? Because those rocks are going to choke the life out of anything that tries to grow. And it's a very simple concept, but there are things in our life that will try to choke us out as a Christian, things that will hinder us from growing. And those stones, sometimes they're ones that we just want to get out of our life and we can't. And you say, well, I have this trial in my life and I think it's hindering me from growing. But you see, the stones in our lives are for our learning, both the ones that God puts there and the ones that God takes away. Because I have found in my life, there are some things I would like to hold on to. Some things that I said, man, it would be nice to have this or be able to do this. 
But God says, no, you can't have that. Why? It's for my learning, so I can grow. But there are other stones there that are put there, and you say, well, wouldn't that hinder the growth? No, because some stones make that plant work harder to grow. And if we're not learning through the trials, if we're not growing through it, then those stones can end up choking us out. You see, God in his loving mercy removes some of these to protect us, but some of them he leaves, and both are for our learning. And I found that going through a trial in growing... You say, well, you know, if God doesn't, if God's not primary purpose for my life is to be happy and he wants us to have that mindset of growth, then do I just have to go through life as a drudge? No, because when you grow, you will find that you are fulfilling the will of the Lord and therefore you get the joy of the Lord. And when you have the joy of the Lord, it's better than the temporary happiness you can have. And guess what? The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So how do you get through the trials? I'll tell you how you get through the trials. You keep growing. You have that mindset of growth. When you stop growing, you failed the test. When you stop growing and you say, oh, you know what? I can't do this anymore. You lose that joy. And that's when you turn to the happiness that never satisfies. That's when you lose the mindset of growth. You have to have the mindset of growth. First of all, we saw God's placement. Second of all, we saw God's protection. And thirdly, let's look at God's provision. God's provision. I've already seen the things that God has done. I want to focus on a couple more things. Verse number two, it says, And he fenced it, and gathered out the stones thereof, and planted it with the choicest vine, and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a wine press therein. That phrase where it said, He planted it with the choicest vine. With the choicest vine. When you, when you study that out and you look it up, it, it gives the, the idea that there was a lattice of some sort for the vine to grow on. You see, when a vine, it grows wildly out in nature, and it doesn't have anything to grow on top of, it just goes out, and it hinders its growth. Why? Because it can't grow up. It can't get the sunlight it needs. It can't get the nutrients it needs, and it's stuck just right there on the ground. If it's crowded by too much stuff that it can't grow on, it will never grow up. But vines almost naturally grow up as long as they have something to grow on. And as a Christian, God has provided us with everything we need to grow everything we need. And this is going to be really simple, but may I say, number one, God has given us his word. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, why? That ye may grow thereby. Now, just as a babe fundamentally desires to grow, what does he want? He wants his mother's milk. And whenever he's hungry, he cries out for it. He will let you know that he is hungry. The same should be true in the life of a Christian. You see, whenever we get to the point where we start having the mindset of growth and we want to grow and our desire is to grow, it's going to drive us to a point where we call out to the Lord and we start looking for answers in the Bible and we use his word. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hey, we've got to be rooted in the word if we're going to grow. This is true miracle grow. That was corny. But this is... <laughs> But if you want to grow, you've got to be rooted in the Word. You've got to have a spot with God in the Bible. Secondly, we have prayer. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. James 5, 16. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You want to grow? You have to get in the Word. You cannot grow without getting in the Word of God. You want to grow? You have to have a prayer life. You know, there are some people that said, you know what? 
I'm, I've seen them determined to have a prayer life. And through their determination to have a prayer life and becoming a prayer warrior, it has forced them to grow. Why? Because you're spending time with God. And my grandpa used to tell me all the time, you are who your friends are or you soon will be. Hey, you want to be more like Christ? You want to grow closer to the Lord? Why don't you spend more time with him? Why don't you talk to him? Why don't you fall down to your knees and get to the point where you say, all right, Lord, I'm just like that baby crying out for the milk. I want to be fed. God, I want to grow. God, give it to me. I have a desire to be closer to you. But only did God give us his word and prayer. But thirdly and simply, he gave us the church. In Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. There are two words in these verses, provoke and exhort. Provoke and exhort, and both of them mean the same thing. It means to encourage. You see, there are people in, in the church that will help you to do what's right. They will encourage you to do what's right. They will lift you up and help you do what's right. But we have to be there. We have to be involved in church. You see, God has given us his love, his forgiveness, his long-suffering, mercy, grace, whatever the case may be, everything that we need to grow, God has given it to us. And when I say this, there will never be a time when you cannot do the will of God because you lack what is needed to do so. There will never be a time where you say, oh, well, I really need this to grow in my Christian life, but I just don't have it. No, God has provided everything that we need. You see, God's placement is perfect. Grow where you are at, in this church, in this place. His protection has given us everything we need so that, yes, we might face temptations, but guess what? There's a way out of it. And, yes, we might go through trials, but the God who brought us to it will bring us through it. And also, we have everything we need, God's provision. Fourthly, we see God's plan, God's plan. In verse number two, it says, and also he made a wine press therein. You say, well, why would somebody make a press so he could get the grape juice? without having expectations that he would have the grapes. You see, God was planning ahead to when the fruit would be there. And God said, all right, you know what? I have a plan for this. He made ready to have the grapes because he had a plan for them. And Christian God has a plan for us and he has made everything ready for us. It's laid out. All we have to do is follow the will of God and God's plan will come. But the problem is that we have too many people that will not do the will of God. They won't follow the will of God. He wants to use us. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us purpose and meaning to our life, but we have to grow. Uh, statistics say that 3,300 churches close their doors every year in America. 3,300. Why do you think that is? It's because we have too many people individually and as a whole as a church that are not following the will of God. People that say, you know what? I'm not going to grow. Why? Because I'm not going to do the will of God. God's given us everything, but we have to follow his will. You know, God has a plan for us individually as a life. And you say, well, how do I know that? Well, you can look at the first three points and see that God has a plan. You see, God would not place us here. He would not protect us. He would not provide everything he need if he did not have a will for us. And because we have these, we know that God has a will for us. And you say, well, I don't know God's will for my life. I will, you can start off by doing this. Tomorrow when you get up, why don't you try applying all three of these principles, getting up, praying, making sure you're in the word, being at church every time the doors are open and saying, God, I know you've placed me here. And because you've placed me here, I'm going to grow here. God, I know you give me all the needed protection. And because of that, I'm going to grow in the trial. And God, I know that you provided everything I need and I'm going to make full use of it. And that's how we follow God's plan. In verse number two, it says, 
I looked that it should bring forth grapes. God had expectations for his people. He had expectations for his church, just as I believe God has expectations for us individually and as a church as a whole. Now, I don't know what God expects of each of us in our individual life, but I do know he wants us to follow his will, follow his plan. As a church, almost uh, every service, pastor brings up something that he says, oh, hey, we've got this in the works. Hey, we're trying to get this ready. And as a church, we need to grow because if we're not growing, we're dying. And when pastor says, hey, I believe this is where God would have us to do. What should we do as a Christian? As a church and as an individual, we should be full-fledged behind it. Why? Because we need to grow. That, w- that should be our mindset, is to push forward the cause of Christ, God's plan. And fifthly and lastly, we see God's product, which is us, God's product. Verse number two, it says, and he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. It brought forth wild grapes. What does the fruit of our life say this uh, tonight? Does it say that we are gone astray, that we're wild, that we're backslidden? Does the fruit of our life say that we have put time and effort into making sure that as a Christian we are growing? Or does the fruit of our life say that, you know what, we, don't, we reject God's placement. We're not willing to live under God's protection. You see, in verse number, verse number three, it says, And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down, and I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. You see, in the end, the Christian that was not willing to grow, it was not the stones that choked it out. It was not the people who came and tried to attack it. It was not the fact that they weren't living underneath God's protection. It was God himself who said, you know what? If you're going to constantly reject my plea for you to grow, if you're going to constantly reject my loving arms for you to come and draw close to me, then eventually God's going to say, all right, that's enough. And God will take it away from us. And when I say that there is a heavy price to pay for going and doing our own thing, Bible says we have a mindset of growth. Where are we at tonight? Are we focused more on making ourselves happy? It's reflected in our decisions. You say, oh no, mine's not reflected in my decisions. Well, what about Saturday morning when you have the option to sleep in or go, go out door knocking? Which one reflects the growth of the Lord? And you say, well, I can't go out on Saturday mornings. That's fine. What about throughout the week when you're at your job and you're talking to your friends and you have the decision to make yourself happy by being their friend and keeping it on the down low that you're a faithful church member, or do you invite them to church? You say, you know what? I'm going to grow as a Christian. I'm going to take this step of faith and invite them to my church. What about whenever you're out, uh, you know, talking out on the soul winning routes, and you say, oh, well, you know what? I can talk to these people, and I can try to invite them to church, but, you know, I'm not going to push too hard. No, we need to grow. We need to grow as a Christian. Why? Because if we're not growing, we're dying. You want to go your own way? That's fine, but you will reap the wars for all of eternity. You know what? Most of us have probably seen seen it, if not in our family and some of our friends, people that we used to know, people who used to be growing in the Lord, well, what happened whenever they went off and started doing their own thing? When they decided that they didn't need to grow, what happened? Eventually, you see their lives start falling apart. You may not see it 
all, all at once on the outside, but eventually it will happen. Problems start coming in, and it's more than just the normal trials. It's more than that. Their life will literally start falling apart, and you say, well, what is it? That is God saying, hey, if you're not going to grow, if you're not going to fulfill my purpose, then I'm going to have to step back and let sin take its toll. Christian, it is important for us to grow, but we have to be the ones with the mindset of growth. We have no excuse not to do what is right. In verse 4, God said, what could have been done more to my vineyard? He said, hey, what more could I have done? I did everything I possibly could. Now, this is an open-ended question, but he said, wherefore? He said, why is it that when I looked to, that it should bring forth grapes, I brought it forth wild grapes? He said, hey, why did you not take everything that was laid out before you, and why did you turn away from it? You see, God has given us as a church and as individuals everything we will ever need. He's given us the perfect placement. Don't get your eyes off on somewhere else. He's given us all the protection. He's given us his provision. He has a plan for us, but the end product is our decision. What choice are we going to make? Are we going to have the mindset of growth that says, you know what, as an individual, I'm going to get closer to God today. You know, I tell the bus workers all the time, uh, especially when I was in Kentucky, I used to tell my workers as a captain, I said, hey, we're going to take a step forward this week. Our bus route's going to take a step forward. And I've said it a couple times to the bus ministry. I said, you know what, let's, let's take this ministry a step forward this week. Why? Because if we're not growing, we're dying. As an individual, every single day, let's take it a step forward. Let's do more for God today than we did yesterday. As a church, let's do more for God this week than we did last weekend out sewing, out on the buses. You say, hey, as a church, why don't we take a step forward in making sure that these buildings that we've been talking about, that they get up. Hey, as a church, as we take a step forward, why don't we not just talk about people getting saved? Why don't we actually see people saved? As a church, instead of talking about seeing people discipled, why don't we actually get out there and put the work and the effort into seeing them discipled? As a church, let's grow and get closer to the Lord, be more what God would have us to be. So in conclusion, I would say this. We can throw thrive in God's placement, but we have to accept it. We have to keep our eyes where God has put us. We have to live in his protection. We have to experience his provision, and we can fulfill his plan and become the product that we need to be, but we need to remember that we can grow no matter the situation. Hey, We've all seen it. You go out to a parking lot, there's a small crack, and you'll see a flower blooming right there. You, you go up and clean, up some, clean out your gutters, and guess what? You're going to see some little plants blooming up there if it's been a while. Why? Because whenever you have a desire to grow, God will make it possible no matter the situation, no matter where you're at. But we have to have that mindset of growth.